stand with us this morning as we open and worship. Sing along. Well, would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Yes, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Yes, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's high. There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Yes, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Praises to sing. There's wonderful power in the blood. Well, there's power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Yes, there is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And have you been to Jesus for the cleansing? Now, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And are you fully trusting in His grace? It's this hour. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? And are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? the Savior's side, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? And are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? And are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Hey, aren't you glad to be in church this morning? Doesn't it feel good? Somebody said, I hear this often, says, uh, let's see if I can get it right. It's, uh, uh, how's your day going? And it's like, I'm above ground, right? That's a pretty good saying, but hopefully it's better than that, right? Coming to church is so much better than just being above ground. Coming to church is when we have a chance to spend time worshiping a wonderful gracious God and I think we can all say amen to that right 
If today's your first time to ever be here at Sunset Hills, thank you for coming this way. We would love to get to know you a little better, and you can do that by uh, texting to that number there. That's a good way of doing it. You can also go by the welcome kiosk out front, and uh, we just do it the old-fashioned way of signing your name and giving us your information. Again, I'm glad to see you. Uh, just take a moment. We started doing that again, I guess. We Take a moment and turn around and say hi to somebody. You can shake their hand. So we seem to be going back, a little throwback today and singing this. I understand the band was trying to figure it out this morning that uh, Lisa was saying she has never played this song since they've been coming to church here. It's an old song. Man, I remember as a little kid singing as loud as I could on this song. Anybody remember that? When we all get to heaven, just rear back, let it go.
this morning. He's perfect in all of his ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Love so
on our worst days, but God, you still love us. You still want to have a personal relationship with us. Lord, continue to be with us, God, in everything that we do. Let us draw close to you. Lord, we know that you've promised to draw close to us. In your loving son, Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. You may be seated today. Last week, I introduced you to three words that truly make a difference in one's life when you decide to do this, those three words. Let me just test you. How many remember what those three words were? Last week. What were they? I have decided. How many of you really remembered those words? Let me see your hands. There's about three of us. Three words that three people remember, all right? Well, since you have such a hard time, I'm going to make that part two today. I have decided part two. Basically, all decisions begin with the process of deciding, deciding to do something out of a set of choices from at least two different options. I'm often amazed at the decisions that some people choose to make. In many cases, I guess maybe uh, amazed, might, a better word for that would be bewildered. At times, I'm wondering, why would they make such a choice as that? You know, it's like, what were they thinking? And almost daily, it seems, a story comes across the news feed about someone who's made what I would consider a really dumb decision. You know, they're just, I, I'm not going to call any out because it might be too close to home for me or for some of you all about some of the decisions that have been made, but it's like, what was it that he or she was thinking when they decided to do something that they did? Or sometimes I'll just say, what's wrong with people? I mean, do you ever do that? I mean, it's like you hear about something, it's like, what in the world is wrong with people's thinking that they would do something of that? And as I was kind of working through this introduction to this and I was coming up with this kind of idea about what were people thinking, you know what happened? A thought popped into my mind about some of the boneheaded decisions that I've made in my life. I, well, let me just give you an example of one of them, okay? A boneheaded decision that I made was once when I was visiting Washington, D.C. with a group of eighth graders, and we were, uh, the kids were inside the Holocaust Museum, and right next to the Holocaust Museum is a bureau of engraving and printing, and uh, the kids were in there, and because of traffic flow and trying to find a place to park, I decided not to go in with them. They went in with other chaperones. And I was sitting outside right across the street from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. It is a really dumb decision to be sitting outside the, right across the street from this incredible place that is full of security in a white rented van with binoculars checking out the sites post 9-11. That will get you a visit from the police security team across the street. 
who informed me that they had been watching me sit there for 30 minutes. It wasn't like I made it a bad decision for a minute or two. It was a full 30 minutes before they came out and checked me out. That was a dumb decision. Don't try it. That's the only bad decision I've ever made in my life. Why do you laugh at that? Actually, I've made a few more. But I've made some really great decisions also. One of the best decisions that I've ever made in my life was to ask Lynn to marry me. I'm just going to quit now because you all just hurt my feelings. <laughs> I was blessed with this decision that I had, a good decision. I, I hope it's been a good decision for you that when this church invited me to become the pastor some almost 20 years ago now that I chose to make a decision to allow God to call me into this ministry. And for me and my family, uh, yeah, there weren't quite as many amens on that one. I don't know. <laughs> for me and my family, this has truly been a great decision. Certainly have been others. But all of my decisions have had consequences to them. They go with them. Some bad decisions have negatively affected my life, my being. And on the other side of that, good decisions have had a positive effect. It's never a bad choice to do the right thing. Let me say that again. It's never a bad choice to do the right thing. It might be a hard choice, but not a bad choice. My life is no different from yours. The types of decisions you made may look differently, but the principle remains the same. There are consequences, both good and bad, to decisions that are made. There is one decision, however, in my life that has, uh, is absolutely the best decision that anyone could ever, ever make, and that's the decision to follow Jesus. I, when I've had the privilege of baptizing people, you often hear me say, as we're standing behind, as I'm standing behind the baptismal pool and, and the kid or the person that's is there, I will say, what you have decided to do to follow Jesus, to give your heart to Him, is absolutely the one best decision that you have ever made in your life. It will always be that way. And there are incredibly, incredibly wonderful consequences that go with that. On the other hand, when we choose not to, there are consequences to that as well. But let me just emphasize this. You can never go wrong making a decision to follow Jesus. Never. And I don't, it doesn't matter if it's the first time you choose in your life of when you become a Christian, but following Jesus is a constant decision making process. And when you choose to follow him, you can never go wrong. 
For many throughout history, however, following Jesus has had dire consequences, at least temporarily. Just look at the lives of Jesus' first disciples and, and what happened to them because they followed. Well, you know. Most of them, or all but one of them, Judas, well, actually two, Judas who hung himself, John who escaped death, but they tried to, the rest of them were put to death because of their decision to follow. And there have been many more people who have paid that ultimate price since then and continue to be. But here we have this promise. Even if it's that kind of consequence that happens to where it costs one's life, or if it's a daily kind of decision of making to follow Jesus where it doesn't cost us near that amount, what we have this, uh, this, this is a promise that in the final analysis, it will be worth it all. Certainly, we have had some really good times when we follow Jesus. And actually, I think in when we have made those decisions and we've had good times that follow, it was pretty easy to follow Him. It's easier to follow when things are going our way. But um, we all have storms. The longer you live, the more storms there are between good times and hard times. Is that right? It is. Good days and hard days. And in those times of good days and bad days, there may be some times of uncertainty. Do you have any times like that? Where when you experience some good times and you look back and you say, Man, I'm grateful for what God did in my life. But then when you run into some hard times, some hard days, and you begin to... To, to look at what's going on, you look at that and say, wow, this is a hard time. Is it really worth following Christ? Was it really a smart thing to follow Him because of actions that have happened because of my choice to follow? The Apostle Peter had some times like that. Maybe not so much wondering if it was the right decision to follow, but I think there were times in his life where his decision to follow, we find some wavering when he wasn't as consistent as he was at other times. And, you know, I'm really glad that Peter was chosen as one of the disciples and that so much of his history is recorded for us because it really gives us, in today's time, a comparison of someone who went through some hard times as maybe we do and we can see how it was recorded about how he handled things that gives us some confidence and some hope and maybe if you've ever followed the life of Peter any at all you might see some similarities between how your life looks and how Peter's looked if you take a good look at his life and compare yours to his you might even think I'm not as bad as I thought I was compared to what Peter did sometimes. There are times when Peter doesn't act so smart. He makes some boneheaded decisions and does some really stupid and hurtful things, and there are consequences for it. And then there are times when he gets it right. 
And, and he has some, because of that, some really great encounters and conversations with Christ, but then with how the results with other people, especially in his later ministry. It's very likely that you as a Christ follower, for if you've been following any time at all, you may see a little bit of Peter in yourself. And the good thing about the Bible is this. There are true accounts that say both the good and the bad that people do that we can look at and learn from. And so in the life of Peter, we can discover some reality of what it is to follow Christ closely and then times when he blows it. If you want to turn your Bibles, chapter 21 of the book of John, we're going to look at a time that we can take some good lessons from. After this, Jesus revealed himself. This was after he had been, he had been uh, put to death and he, becomes, he comes back to life. He appears uh, and revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin Nathaniel of Canaan of uh, Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, children... Do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out his, he put on his outer garments, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish. How did you love the, the um, specific? Don't you love how this really goes into detail? <laughs> Specif Thank you very much. All the detail here. 153 fish that uh, they caught. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Again, great detail here. As if that many fish would have torn the net uh, in other circumstances. And Jesus said to them, Come... Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask, Who are you? Watch this. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to disciples after he was raised from the dead. I, I just... I just really like to, to kind of just read a story and see how it just kind of speaks to us. 
And in this particular case, it's another story similar to others where Jesus does some kind of supernatural act with fish. And the disciples had witnessed this on other occasions, like when he had fed the 5,000 with a couple of fish and some bread, and, and now he's using fish to teach them again. And they, they, as you read into the story, there seems to be something going on, however, with Peter that's not quite resolved. And just as he had many times before, Jesus is having this encounter with Jesus, with, with Peter's having this encounter, encounter with Jesus. And Jesus wants to take Peter to, hey, I've got something better for you. I want to take you to a deeper depth. Remember, he had denied Jesus earlier, and he's one more using this as a time to teach Peter a lesson. There's something happening here that you may not have, be familiar with where we're going, but just trust in me. Trust the process that I'm putting you through. And watch what happens starting in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to, he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said it to him a third time. Kind of probably what Peter was doing there was crying about it, right? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you would stretch out your hands and another would dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to them, follow me. I'm just wondering what was going through Peter's mind during all of that. Should I follow or should I not? Is it a wise decision, a good decision, or not to follow Jesus? Are you familiar with the verse from Proverbs 16:9? You probably have read it before. The heart of a man plans his way. But the Lord establishes his steps. It's a good verse. We, it's reminding us, can make plans about how we want our lives to go. And so we go to considerable lengths of planning out our days, or maybe we're planning out our years. This is what I want to happen in my life. And sometimes we're allowed for those plans to, to, to work out. And often, however, we have our plans thwarted because ultimately we're not totally in control of our lives. God is in control. He's always in control. Not to say that planning is not necessary or that you should not have make plans, but I think 
that ultimately life is a step in trusting God that no matter what plans we make, He may choose to interfere with our plans and cause us to go in a different direction. Has that happened to you? We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. He is the one, according to this verse, who orders our steps, who establishes really our direction in life. And I would tell you that sometimes that's very hard. Not an easy thing to do. Because what that really says to me, and, the, and, and when I've experienced this in my own life, is I, under, I all of a sudden understand that I'm not really totally in control. And that makes me feel uncomfortable. Because I like being in control. I like to know kind of basically where I'm going. And I like to have a plan as to how I'm going to get there. There may be some times when I may detour because I choose to, but ultimately, I know where I'm heading, and all of a sudden, God comes along. He says, no, I've got something different in mind for you. I want you to go this way in a different direction. And God sort of just moves in, and He begins to change our plan. And you may have a, a tendency in times like that to wonder, God, what are you doing here? Why are you choosing for these things to happen that seem to be manipulating what I have had planned for my life? You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? And you have to decide whether or not you're going to choose to follow Jesus. And, and, and you know what I have come to understand also? It doesn't have to be a huge, life-altering plan. It can be in the little daily things that we go about in our lives. We have to choose if we're going to follow. Or maybe we say, okay, I'm willing to follow for a while. But here's something that is probably just a little harder to do, is I'm willing to follow wherever you choose to take me. And that becomes much more difficult. I think Peter kind of experienced this. In time, he would become a very powerful follower of Christ, one of the early leaders of the Christian church. Plenty of examples where he makes great decisions and the consequences of his decisions have incredibly wonderful results. But then there are some times, and because of him making those decisions, some pretty cool things happened. And Peter wouldn't, that he would have this encounter with Jesus. And many people remember that first time when the church came together and he preached, and there were how many saved that day? 3,000. Wouldn't that be incredible? To see something like that in today's church, Peter experienced this. Eventually, he would be put to death by choosing to become a follower and taking it seriously. But he wasn't always that way. Not that strong. Not that committed. Now, ultimately, though, if you look at his life, you have to give him credit that he 
when he was first chosen by Jesus, and Jesus comes along, he says, follow me, that Peter, that Peter gets up and he says, okay, I'm going to follow you. He gives, walks away from everything. He says, I'll follow you. That's a wonderful thing. But not long afterwards, even after he had all this incredible experience walking and following Jesus, it's not long afterwards where he denies Christ three times and curses him. That particular failure actually becomes one of the defining moments in his life. There certainly were times of uncertainty, but in those times of uncertainty, something began to happen to transform Peter into this person who had incredible faith. I think he is someone that we can't identify with. At times, we're on top of things with Jesus, walking with him, and then there are times when we're just trying to figure it out. What's my next step? I want us to just take a look at this. I've got a few points I want to share with you that we can learn from Peter's life, that we can apply into our lives today. The first one is this. Following Jesus means there are going to be times of uncertainty. You experienced it? You know what I'm saying? You can be an avid follower of Christ. You can be on top of your relationship with Him. And all is going well. And there still be times of un in uncertainty. Just the fact that we live in a fallen world means that we're constantly going to be under attack. And I believe, you've heard me say this before, I believe that Christianity is going to come more and more under attack. And we're going to have to make decisions whether or not we're going to continue to follow. I, I, I can tell you this, I, we've got some students who just graduated from high school in our church next year, not next fall, this coming fall. And just about a month away, moms and dads, you're going to be saying goodbye to your children. It's a hard time, I'll tell you it is. But I want you to know, students, you probably already know this, you're going to be challenged in your faith like never before. Maybe challenged more in your faith than you maybe ever will be again. I don't know. Because culture, because educational institutions are going to do everything they are that they can do to challenge your faith. And you know what? While I would choose for it not to happen, it's not necessarily a bad thing because it can help you identify who you are in Christ. When we have moments of uncertainty, Jesus is saying to us, do you trust me? Are you willing to step on a, out on faith? Where is your faith? It's a place where you have to say, I don't know where you're taking me, but I've got faith that wherever it is, I will follow. I've seen it in the life of this church.
And I can tell you there are still going to be times ahead when this church will have to make a decision. We're not sure where you're taking us, but we have to choose whether we will follow. I've also seen when we have been in that place, when God has said to us as a church, you have to step out on faith and move into another level. And we didn't know where he was taking us. But we as a church had to make a decision whether or not we will follow. And we said, we will. And I can tell you, God was faithful in that decision. Or else, you wouldn't be sitting where you are today. That wasn't the case. When you follow Jesus, there will be times of uncertainty. And because there is uncertainty doesn't mean you have to give up and live a defeated life. Certainly Peter experienced uncertainty. Some caused by his own doing, as often happens with us. And some because it was part of God's plan to happen. I want that to sink in just a minute. You mean there are times of uncertainty that comes up in our lives because we're following Him, that He plans? Yes, that is true. Here's my second point. Times of uncertainty can bring confidence. When we have uncertainty that pops up, it is an opportunity for clarity, a purpose to come into our lives. Remember in verse 12, the scripture said that not one of his disciples dared ask who he was, for they knew he was Jesus. Now, if you read this carefully, there was a time when they did not recognize him. But here it says that they knew who he was. At some point, they had come to know that it was Jesus. When this happened, we don't really know. But at some point during all of this, they started recognizing, as John would say, or the beloved, the one that Jesus loved would say, he would say, it's Jesus. And Peter understood that. Maybe, maybe they began to see it when they saw that the nets were full of fish or uh, after they'd been sh fishing all night long. Or, or maybe when they uh, saw the fire on, um, on the, uh, the, the fish on the fire and Jesus was saying, come to breakfast, and it was cooked and ready for them. At some point, they come to recognize that it was Jesus who was the one talking to them that hundred yards from the bank. They recognize who he is. So that kind of makes me think about this. When we have done life with Jesus, maybe at first we didn't recognize it was him who was causing the uncertainty to pop up in our lives. But at some point, we began to see that it was his plan being unveiled to us. We started thinking, maybe there's a greater purpose here for what I'm going through. 
And when you finally get to that point that you recognize, and it could be a lot of time that has transpired since all of this started coming up, but you begin to look back and you see, wow, I, 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 I didn't like what was happening when it was going on here, but now as I begin to see, I could see that, that God was ordering the steps of this process. And as I get further from it over here, I can look back and I say, well, I didn't like what was happening, but now I see that Jesus was using this to build my faith, to build my confidence. Times of uncertainty can bring confidence. And you know what it's probably preparing us for? The next situation that's going to come up in our life. So as we begin to look back, I'm facing this situation now over here, and I'm wondering, where are you going to be, Lord, in this? I can look back over here and say, well, you took me from here to here to here, and now I'm here. I have confidence to face the uncertainty that's popping up now. As we face things in the future, I'm grateful that this church can look back and say we saw God in the past. He will be faithful as we face what comes next. Here's another thing that we can learn from this. Uncertainty allows us to examine where we are in life. You know, I just have a feeling that there were some times in Peter's life when he was asking some why and how questions of just where he was in life. I mean, that's just kind of a human thing to do, is it not? I don't know, wonder if he asks, well, how did Jesus come about choosing me? Why don't you care about us when we're in the danger of the storm? Remember that story? Or, after all Jesus did for me, how could I have failed him when he needed me? Don't we all have those why and how questions that cause us to step back? And if we allow it to, sort of examine who we are, where we are, why did this have to happen to me? How could I have screwed up my life so much? How can I make it better? What's the next thing? I, I think maybe Peter was going through this a little bit when Jesus was asking him, do you love me? And in that situation, Jesus is kind of quizzing him on this. He's He's not really addressing the whys and hows of Peter's life. Instead, he basically says, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Simon, John, son of John, do you love me? More than these, he says a second time. Simon, John, son of John, do you love me? A third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved, it says, because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? We, we tend to spend a lot of time asking God the why and how questions 
would those be? Jesus doesn't spend time there. He tells him, hey, I want you to focus on something else. He replied to him, and if you love me, feed my lambs, he says first. And the second time he says, tend my sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep. Jesus knew the answer to the questions. He, it wasn't for him, it's for Peter. He's, he's asking Peter to, hey, I want you to take the focus off of yourself, Peter. I want you to put it in a more useful place. Steps toward a greater purpose. Steps toward wonderful actions. Steps that will help identify your direction in life. Quitting, quit, quit holding on to that denial that you did. and Keep moving forward, Peter. Keep going. Focus on the main thing. Love me more than anything else. Now, I want you to notice here that that incredible failure on Peter's part did not, did not stop him, did not destroy his life. But all of this process began to clarify just how much he loved Jesus and how diligently he would follow him and to what extent. God often gives us a chance to rephrase questions of why and how to where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do next? I don't know how you're going to use this, but I'm going to trust you to use it in my life. Even if it doesn't make sense, God, I'm going to listen. I'm going to follow. Even if there's uncertainty... I'm going to trust you to order my steps. Oftentimes, we don't know the why or the how, but we have to trust God that He does. And it may take years to be able to under, look back and understand, see the why or the how. Or we may not ever know why or how until we get to heaven. In the uncertainties of why and how, we should really say, how much do I love you, Jesus? How far am I willing to follow? What's next? He's also identifying, how far are you willing? How much do you truly love me? And that takes me back to my first point of last week. A true disciple has no greater love for anyone or anything more than Jesus. You remember that? If you really want to be a follower, a true disciple, the love that you have for Jesus is greater than anything else. We see this in what he's trying to teach Peter. If you love God with all that is in you, your heart, your mind, your soul. It demands and it causes your actions to change toward life, toward everything else. And it moves you to action. How you see others, how you interact with 
others, how you care for others, how you value others, your concern for their spiritual relationship with Christ themselves. It helps identify that moment. Here's the last point. When you have times of uncertainty, this one's hard to do. Embrace the moment. Embrace the moment. You don't know what it is you're going through right now, but you embrace it. Followers of Jesus can rest in the fact that God is in control. Another word for that is he's sovereign over everything that happens in this life. He directs events. He puts people in our paths. He essentially enables us to be at the right place at the right time. We don't know what twists and turns are going to happen in life, where, where they will take us or how they're going to be useful in the future. We just trust the process and realize it's not accidental. Stephanie Dietz posted this wonderful saying by Priscilla Shire on Facebook last night or yesterday. Uh, Priscilla says this, God isn't asking you to figure it out. He's asking you to trust that He already has. It's a great saying. God isn't asking you to figure it out. He's asking you to trust that He already has. Everything that happens in our life, it's not a surprise to God. It's not always good, but God absolutely can use them. So we embrace those times. We say, God, I want you to use what's going on now for your glory and for your benefit. I end with this verse taken from the message translation. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. That Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. I, just listen to that for a moment. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Is it true? I just want you to stop for a minute. I want you to think back in your life of when this absolutely has been true. When you were faced with a situation and you had no idea how to make it through. And it seemed like just it's all just caving in on me right now. And at some point in time, you begin to turn your attention toward God. Maybe it was a simple, God, I need help. And 
God, you got God's attention, which you already, already had. You just were now acknowledging it. And you begin to see how God began to work in your life. And in fact, this last statement was beginning to happen. God was helping you deal with the hard times that came up in your life. You have that time? You have that time in mind? Well, I can think of several in my life. It doesn't take me too long to start naming a whole bunch of them. And in those situations is when we can come back and say, I will follow no matter where you take me. Would you bow your heads, please? We started with three words, Father, that said, I have decided. And while we touched on them last week, we spent more time to three more words that say, to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that that will be our theme in our own personal lives that no matter what may come up no matter where you seems like you're taking us no matter how difficult a situation may arise rather than getting all worked up on how am I going to do this or why is this happening? Those first six words, those six words would come into our mind first. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not just going to follow halfway. But I'm going to follow until completion. Until you've done your work that you want to do until you established your plan and I've carried it out. I have decided to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And I realize that that is a daily decision that I have to make. Not just a one-time thing. And Lord, we're grateful for the one-time decision that brings us into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And thankful that so many have done that in this church. Maybe there's one here today that needs to do that. So we're grateful for what all that means and what Jesus did so that we would have that privilege to have our sins forgiven. And we can enter in a new life you can recreate us into a new creation bring us into your family 
Father, as we're here, part of your family, we know daily we have to pick up our cross and follow you. Pray that we would truly understand the consequence of that. No matter what it costs us, we will follow. Knowing it will be worth it all. Encourage us to do that, Father, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, if there's someone here today that needs to make a decision about following you, to pray for strength, to pray for the first time for Christ to come into their heart, that during this invitation, that we open up this altar before you and before our church, that, that if you're compelling us to come to this place and kneel in prayer or sit and on a seat that we would say I'm coming because I want to be serious about my commitment to you that there would be nothing that would stop us from doing that right now we ask these things in Jesus name as we stand and as we sing
be seated for a moment there. It's good to see you this morning. Um, several things, if you have not been um, paying attention to your bulletin announcements, there are several brand new announcements this week. We just have flooded you with new information. So make sure to uh, jump in and, and, and get up to date on that. Uh, recharge, there's a family field trip day at the Nashville Zoo. On that same day, um, our students are going to be going to uh, Santa Claus, Indiana, to Holiday World and Splash and Safari. So that's going to be a fun day for everybody. And um, also, our ladies are starting a brand new monthly coffee hour. Um, it's called But First Jesus. And um, so uh, the, the very first one's going to be on Saturday, August the 5th at 8.30 in the morning here in the church foyer. So um, if you want some more information about that, light breakfast, coffee, conversation, time with Jesus before heading out to your day's activities. I know some of you all may start your day a little bit earlier than that, but uh, we encourage you just to kind of cut into your day and, uh, and <laughs> you're saying no. No, okay, uh, but, but for some of you, cut into your day and uh, come and have coffee. Also, the Women's Fall Retreat has been announced October 20th, 21st. Student Fall Retreat, October 27th through the 29th. If you want more information on those things, see Lynn for the ladies, uh, see myself for the students. And then the last thing I want to mention is Discover Sunset Hills. Um, we did this for the first time just a few weeks ago, and I can tell you, uh, for the folks that were a part of that. Um, it was so, one, beneficial for us to know you as a family, but it was so beneficial to those families to know our hearts and uh, the direction that we're um, going in, in ministry. And so I encourage you, if you've been here uh, just a short time and um, you kind of are on the fence about where your uh, church home may or may not be, uh, we encourage you just to come in. There's no kind of obligation. We're going to feed you. We're going to love on you. It's a short time. But I bring your whole family and uh, sunset, discover Sunset Hills. And uh, it's just a time immediately after service where we'll uh, kind of just spend some time together talking about the ministry here and talking about your life and um, how we can walk um, with Jesus together. So I want to just call your attention to the beautiful flowers that are in the altar this morning. They are here from the memorial service of Wayne Tate. Yesterday, a beautiful service that uh, we had here at the church. And I ask you to continue to pray for families that have lost loved ones in recent weeks and months. Uh, it, we have a memorial service and funerals, and there's a lot of activity, a lot of support in those days ahead, but there are also many days that come after that. Just continue to pray and support families. Let them know that you love them during the times that they're still going through that process of trying to adjust to a new life okay so thank you Joyce for leaving the flowers here today may God bless you are we done are you done you have anything okay you got nothing all right anybody got anything want to go home come pray with us this coming Wednesday um did you notice anything different outside as you drove up today? Big difference, right? Extension of the parking lot going in. I, I wanted to say, I want to say thank you to Sunrise Contracting who are um, doing a, a wonderful job of getting our parking lot ready to go. 
to, for the paving company to come in. Sunrise uh, Contracting has, has been good friends of our church through the years. And when we built this building, they donated all the dirt work and much more for the pad, the building pad, and getting everything ready. And not just here, but throughout the whole campus. And they are also donating all the work to get our parking lot ready to go as well. And uh, which, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of money that they are just saying we're willing to share how God has blessed us and with church, with your church, and we're grateful for that. Okay, let's go home. Let's go home. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. God, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for your love. Lord, thank you for uh, guys like Peter who, Lord, was messed up. But God, you took that messed up life, and, and God, you gave a, me a message that we could uh, relate to and, uh, and, and have hope in, find hope in, Lord. Let everything that we do bring glory to you today. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.